Welcome back, Chiefs fans. It's another day. It is Wednesday, so that means Matt Derrick is here from ChiefsDigest.com. He's going to get us up to date on the roster moves, what they mean. There is a couple things that are significant in there. We're going to take a look at what's coming here as they try to wrap up the season, these next six games. A lot against the AFC West, and particularly, take a look at those Denver Broncos. Well, Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Mr. Matt Derrick is back on the Chiefs beat. How are you, pal? <laughs> I am ready and refreshed and raring to go, Ryan. Five weeks all we needed to get, get ready for the last six games, right? Your turkey day uh, has you rejuvenated at this point? Uh, plenty of desserts, plenty of turkey. I am set and raring to go. Okay, good. Because there's plenty of work to be done. <laughs> Evidently, you have to chase down all the news, and there was plenty of it today on Tuesday. Yeah, just a, just, a, just a handful of transactions today. So, right. welcome back, Kyle Long. We've we've we never knew you, and now we get to know you a little bit. <laughs> At least for the next ten minutes, we'll see what happens. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting to see that it, they literally waited to the last moment to get this done. Uh, it, I have to think that. Uh, at his age, with that uh, that tibial plateau fracture, that that's a difficult thing to recover from. So let's let's take a breath here, real quick, on Kyle Long, because I know a lot of fans are ready to just throw him into the starting lineup. Uh, maybe even at tackle, the guy hasn't worked out with the team, and I don't know how long. Like he he hasn't been at camp since I've been at camp. That says something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean expectations. Let's dial them back a little bit on Kyle Long because you're ab- you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, um, I mean he was he's been working on his own certainly, you know, a little bit and everything. But e- even with returning to practice, you know, you, yeah, I mean it's it's scout team stuff. So all he's been doing the last couple of weeks, and then you know going to a bye week, which doing nothing at all except working on his own. Um, so yeah, back to football, but that doesn't mean he's ready to be stepping into the lineup anytime soon. Um, he needs a little bit more time and, and that doesn't even necessarily mean that the the chiefs are in a position and ready to do that. I mean, you know, what position is he, you know, ready for, um, really the only position that is in any discussion for the chiefs offensive line right now is the right tackle spot. And uh, there are other options. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, I think right now if the Chiefs had to go pick out a starter and Lucas Niang wasn't ready to go yet at right tackle. Right now, I mean, I think it would still be Andrew Wiley. Um, for all the talk about Kyle Long being an option at right tackle, remember, I mean, the man turns 33, year old, 30, 33 years old on Sunday. Um, that's part of what, you know, takes a little bit longer with this injury. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, you know, it's not, you know, normally that's something to make maybe eight to 10 weeks. And there was a lot of talk about how maybe Kyle Long's ready by the beginning of the season to at least get back on the field. Um, but for the Chiefs all along, I mean, they thought mid-season replacement was much more likely for Kyle Long. And that's kind of where he is. I mean, maybe a, a week or two later than expected. But after the bye week has kind of ended up being a perfect time for them. But remember, Man hasn't played right tackle in the NFL in six years, right? So expectations that he's the answer to come in and play right tackle, I'd be really surprised, um, especially, you know, the Chiefs are a team that that doesn't like to put guys in positions where they're not ready. And I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever, you know, right now, Kyle Long, one, I don't think he's ready for the starting lineup. And, and if he were, it wouldn't be at right tackle. 
I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think that's a longer term thing. If he had been in, in here in the season, maybe that was there. Um, but certainly the guard spot, the interior three, that like the swing guy inside, I think has to be really the role that you're looking at at least until the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you know, what they were really hoping for originally with Kyle Long has changed. I mean, when they signed him, it was certainly with the idea, hey, you know what? If LDT is not ready to go, this can be a guy that can plug in at right guard. And that's exactly where he started, you know, the offseason workouts was was at right guard with the number one offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that Trey Smith has taken that position and made it his, that's not a need anymore. Um, there's no other spot, you know, as far as Kyle Long goes. But what Chiefs do want and do need is depth because they, you know, that was the number one goal for Brett Veach during this offseason amongst anything else was that he did not want to be where they were at in the Super Bowl last year as far as depth goes, you know. So, yeah, having Kyle Long, having somebody like him with his experience um, that can be a depth piece in case they do get some injuries down the road, that is what Kyle Long's job is for. And that's what he's going to be making $1.5 million to do. And it's a great role for him. And honestly, I mean, it's a it's a good deal whether you need him or not. That's an insurance policy mm-hmm. that's absolutely worth buying. Uh, I agree. And, and if they don't get some turnaround here, you have your number one right tackle out. You have your number two right tackle out. If anything happens to Andrew, Andrew Weiler, that could be a break glass situation. Okay, that's there. But again, a couple of weeks with the practice squad. Now you're going to wrap with the offense probably. You get back on the active. If it comes down to a playoff run and you have more injuries or you have devastating injuries to more of those tackles, then we can talk about going over to right tackle and being a guy that fills in. And despite all of the the offseason effort to rebuild this line, you might be back in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's once again, I mean, that's exactly why, you know, the Chiefs, like I said, this this plan may not have been what they originally envisioned in March when they signed Kyle Long. But once the injury took place, this is exactly, you know, what the Chiefs kind of envisioned was that in the second half of the season, they might need it. And so even with the rehabilitation, the plan all along was never about, you know, just getting Kyle Long to a point where he can step in, you know, once injuries start hitting. I mean, the Chiefs had some injuries earlier on and there was no pressure to rush Kyle Long back. But what they were just hoping for is you get to the second half of the season. That's when you really want to be able to have some depth. And so in that standpoint, his his rehabilitation has worked out perfectly for them from that point. The, the backup plan for Kyle Long has been executed. Now you'll just see if you need him. Um, you know, I mean, if the only reason I think you're going to need Kyle Long is you, you get some more injuries. Um, but he's a good guy to have around just in case. He is. And there's a couple other moves. We're going to get to those as well as looking at what this next run is going to look like coming up next. It's all there. You can have it all. The gridiron and all the teams are back on there, and you can get your money into the action by going to betonline.ag for all your pro and college action you're trying to get going, whether it's the updated interface that you like, more odds, more props and contests. Everything's there at your number one source at betonline.ag. Head over to the website, use your mobile or anything else, and you get a 100% welcome bonus. You do need that code NFL100 for that. That's double your initial deposit. So you put that down and they give you it right back on top. So football, basketball, all the other sports over there at the fastest, easiest way to get all your action on the line. See, I made it happen again. BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code locked on at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So, Matt, it's not all Kyle Long's world. I understand that everybody's excited about him, but hey, there's other things going on. Marcus Kemp is back. A surprise for me, McKinnon going to IR on Tuesday. And even more of a surprise for me, 
that Colin Saunders, who I thought was working back, is now gone to IR. Uh, did those catch you off guard? Do we have any details about any of it? Yeah, not a lot of details. I mean, the, with McKinnon, remember, he suffered that hamstring injury on the, the first special team snap against Dallas. I mean, he played just the one play and then was out of there and was scheduled to get an MRI after the, after that. Um, Chiefs went dark last week. So, you know, there wasn't anybody around to really tell us what happened there. Um, and Andy Reid once again didn't, you know, give us a lot of injuries. I'm sure he knew yesterday when he met with us what the plan was going to be for McKinnon. Uh, but it could also certainly will have been, I mean, that, that team, those guys were gone for seven days. Mm-hmm. So sometimes guys can come back and, and injuries that can get worse. And, and certainly it could be a situation with Saunders because, you know, he has been a- inactive for the last couple of games, but remember he wasn't even on the injury report leading up to Dallas. So there were indications that maybe that knee was responding. Um, this would be an indication to me that there's maybe there's been a setback. You know, maybe he's just maybe a little bit further away from being ready than what they thought. Um, put him on injured reserve now. I mean, it gives you it at least starts that window that if you think he's going to be out for a few weeks, go ahead and start that window now and um, bring him back when you need him. Um, with McKinnon, that, this is an indication that if, if the hamstring is going to require him to be on IR, I mean, maybe that does end up something being a little bit further down the road. We'll find out more from Andy Reid on Wednesday when he meets with us, because those questions will absolutely come up. <laughs> you don't say. Hmm. Uh, I think that it's it's unfortunate to see these happen now, but like you said, a little bit different to have a soft tissue, a, a hamstring that might keep you out a little bit longer. Saunders, I think, let's see what happens. If that, that window, like you said, he was making progress. Let's see what happened there. Notable to me, no updates that I've found anyway. Maybe you have some information that I don't have. On Rashad Fenton, so we're just going to have to be watching the practice reports and see how he's responding. Yeah, he was also supposed to get the, the MRI last week after the game, and and once again, you know, Andy kind of dodged your questions both uh, last week and this week about how that was. Um, but really, was notable about Fenton after that injury against Dallas was that he never went back to the locker room. He stayed on the field. They spent a lot of time looking at that that leg, uh, what was what had happened with him. Um, and then he stayed on the, on the sidelines. He had his helmet the entire time. Didn't look like there was any indication that he was getting ready to go back in the game, but, um, there was no rush to get him, you know, back into the locker room, which you would expect with a more severe injury. And, you know, and, and while Andy did not address injuries on Monday, I mean, I thought it was, you know, pretty important about what he did say about Fenton as far as, you know, what he likes about him and his playing style and what he, he brings to the team because he certainly wasn't sounding like he was eulogizing a guy who wasn't going to be with this team for a while. So, um, another guy that we'll find out about on Wednesday, but uh, everything that we've at least seen and heard at this point would tell me to be optimistic about Fenton. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers as well. They're going to need him against the AFC West, and that run starts right now. It's Broncos this week, followed by the Raiders, followed by the Chargers, and in particular Mike Williams. We all know what he's been able to do against his team in years past. I think Fenton's going to be a key part of that. But when you take a look back, I was a little apprehensive about having so many. Not only do they have those three, but then they do end the season with Denver again. So four of the six interdivision games here, down the stretch. I was a little concerned about it when the season started because I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. Um, It's still pretty close, but this is an opportunity I see for this team to get on a roll, sustain what they've been building. And it may not be as smooth as we hope it is, but this right now is their opportunity, the next three games to take a stranglehold on this division. Uh, Do you think that they're prepared for that? Do you think that this came at the perfect time following the bye? 
Yeah, I think they are prepared. I mean, and if you're going to go into a stretch like this, I mean, you wanted to be against some divisional opponents that you you know pretty well. Um, you know, and I had asked Andy on Monday about, you know, what does the, the game getting flexed to Monday really mean for them? And one of those things is that it shortens that week before the Raiders game. So, you know, some of it is that they've got to start doing their prep for the Raiders before you play the Broncos this weekend. Well, not only that, but then you've got the Chargers on Thursday night right after the Raiders. So you got to start doing your prep for the Chargers before you play the Raiders. It helps that these three games right out of the block are all against teams that they know. And also, you know, I, I certainly would expect the coaching staff to have even spent the bye week looking down the road at the Raiders and the Chargers and getting ready for those games ahead of time. So I think the fact that, you know, you've got two, three games in, in short succession here right after the bye, the fact that they're all against AFC West teams, I think that the familiarity is good. Um, but also, you know, you're in a situation now where, good grief, you these three games can easily just put away the AFC West. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, you win these three games and the AFC West race is over. It's not going to really matter what happens the rest of the way. I mean, everybody else is going to be buried to the point where they're not coming back. I mean, even if the, the Chargers that they've lost to earlier, you'll now have a split with them if you win that game. So, to me, yeah, I mean, this is a chance for the Chiefs to just absolutely close out the AFC West the way that they have done in recent years by just beating the, the, the opponents straight up. You know, it doesn't have to worry about what else is happening on your schedule. Go 5-1 and one in the AFC West, you're going to win the division. Yeah, and I think winning the division sets you up pretty well, especially when you look around the rest of the AFC. Just maintaining, I think, is an advantage right now. You saw... Uh, the Ravens are the are the one team that has uh, fewer losses than them at this point, but they seem like they want to give games away at every turn and just can't seem to get that done. But I think eventually those losses will come. I think the rest of them, the Chiefs sitting with four losses, if they can maintain this little run right here, sets them up very well for not only being one of the four division winners that gets to host a game, but also keeps them right in the race for that first seed. At this point, do you think that we can we can project a little bit that they do have better than a 50-50 chance at that number one seed? Oh, I'm definitely going to have to probably go in the south side of 50 on yeah, that okay. one. Um, I, hey, I, I like their chances to catch a lot of the teams. I mean, you know, a lot of teams, unfortunately, are coming back to them. Um, Baltimore, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I don't know how Baltimore is doing it at this point. Um <laughs> Their, their net points and their net touchdowns are not good. I mean, they're more indicative of a team that's a lot more closer to 500 than they are. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm betting, especially with a couple of games that they have on, on, the, on their schedule, that the Ravens will come back to the pack a little bit. The team that worries me is the Patriots. Um, because even though the Chiefs haven't played the Patriots, they are still buried in the tiebreaker against the Patriots. Patriots are 6-1 and one in the conference. Chiefs are 2-4. and four. They're not catching them which means that you've got to win two more games in the Patriots down the stretch. And I, I don't see how that happens. I mean, it could. I mean, it's certainly possible, mm -hmm. but 50-50, no. I mean, I, I think probably south of 30% even that they catch the Patriots, um, especially with the fact that even though the Patriots have to have a couple of games with the Bills on the, you know, coming up and some other tough, another tough game, I still think the schedule and the way that the Patriots are playing right now favors them. But... Chiefs at Patriots for the AFC Championship game. Would you take it? Yeah, absolutely. Rookie quarterback. I don't care how good he's playing. Absolutely, it's not much of a question for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm way more optimistic than you are about catching and surpassing them. To tell you the truth, because at the end of the day, 
all you got to do is win games. And I think that that the way that this table is set up for them to eat right now till the end of the regular season, I feel like that's there for the taking. So we're going to get into the first step and how they do that in attacking the Denver Broncos coming up right after this. You got to love the holidays, all the food, the treats, and plenty of them. But you might want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's a perfect time for a Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. They taste incredible. We've gone over them. We have all the the new ones, blueberry muffin. You have the uh, chunk cookie dough. You got to love that, as well as my favorite, coconut. You got to love the coconut brownie chunk. It is the best one out there. And Feast or something delicious, and that's how you feel about these bars. You need to have one of those as well. Every single one is about 130 to 150 calories, uh, only 4 grams of sugar, and plenty of protein, upwards of 15 grams per bar, versus a slice of pie that's over 300 calories. you got to get into this, and this is a just as good tasting and a better way to eat, especially around your holidays. Low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high-protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is the great option whenever you're hungry, whether it's Thanksgiving weekend or all the way through Christmas and even New Year's. You can share some at your family gatherings too. Maybe even get your aunt to try a Built Bar. You never know. There's always a few surprises, some limited edition flavors that are always coming out. And right now, the offer is over at Built.com. If you use the code LOCKED15, you're going to end up getting 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So you got to start somewhere, one foot forward, right? And it happens to be the Denver Broncos who's Offense is ghost-like, do we want to say? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you can complain about uh, not putting up enough points against the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. You can complain about, yes, it was it was a schematic advantage that was handed to you against the Raiders. I do expect that to happen again, folks. I don't think anybody's changing spots over there in Las Vegas. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to put more up more points than the opponent. And I think that the, the offensive in disparity here is just too great for the, the Broncos to overcome in any reality. Yeah, the Broncos are an, an interesting team. I mean, one, they, they got rid of arguably one of their best defensive players, and they've done nothing but winning better since then, which makes no <laughs> sense. I mean, when they gave up Von Miller in the trade uh, to the Rams, I mean, it certainly seemed like at that point they were waving the white flag. And now they've mm-hmm. done nothing but rattle off you know, a few wins here and now they're back in it. Um, but you look at this team, I mean, and the only thing that really stands out to you is that they're third in the league in, in scoring defense. And other than that, you know, all the rest of their numbers are not terribly impressive, even on the defensive side. Um, some of it's just that they've been very opportunistic. I mean, they've made the most, you know, even last week, they made the most of some turnovers and some opportunities that they've got. Um, but uh, they're not necessarily tremendous at getting after the quarterback, you know, you know, winning the line to line of scrimmage. I love their secondary, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're deep at corner. They're deep at safety. Um, you saw what they did to Dallas when Dallas was still full strength. I mean, that's, you know, the, 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 the Broncos beat them with coverage. And they can do that to the Chiefs, too. But I think the Chiefs still have a schematic advantage against the Broncos. And then it comes down to, you know, the Broncos offense. And, and you know, and right now they are just the epitome of a, a 500 game management offense. I mean, they're not spectacular at any one thing, but they've got a quarterback who, you know, can get rid of the ball quickly protects the football, doesn't give up, doesn't make a lot of mistakes or turnovers. They run the ball decently. I mean, not great, but decent. Um, they've got some targets that, you know, can be explosive at times, but 
they're they're not a team that's just going to hit the 75 yard bomb and and beat you that way. They're going to beat you slowly and they're going to do it by making sure that you don't get into the end zone. The Chiefs can get a couple of big plays. They can get some, you know, turnovers on defense. I think that's all it's going to take to beat the Broncos. And I think they'll be able to get both of those. Do you think that the the Chiefs defense in particular can continue down the path of getting better, being more explosive, being more dominant against this particular offensive group for the Denver uh, team? I mean, I think this should be a good matchup for the Chiefs. I mean, you know, once again, they haven't, you know, been facing uh, some teams at their best the last few weeks. I mean, there have been, you know, they've been, they've been getting fortunate with some teams not being at full strength. But the Broncos are an offense that even at they're at full strength, the Chiefs should be able to handle them. I mean, this isn't a, a Broncos offense that should come out and be able to put 35 points on the Chiefs. Um, this is, you know, a more middle of the pack offense. It's not explosive. So, to me, yeah, if this defense has some problems against the Broncos, that's going to be indicative of to me that there are some signs that there's still some things wrong. Uh, but I think this is going to be a good matchup for them. It's been a good matchup now for them for six years. So <laughs> until things change, I'm still going to think that the Chiefs are going to be able to handle this. And, and certainly what the Broncos look like on paper, I think that's a, a favorable matchup for the Chiefs, even defensively. I have to think so, too. If there's one weapon on the Denver roster that you are concerned about just in terms of matchup or just having a knack against this particular defense in this group, who would you be concerned with? I mean, I, I worry about all of their size and speed a little bit, but you know, ha, you know me, I'm a Mizzou guy. So if Albert O gets involved in this thing, <laughs> I, you know, gets, gets, gets a red zones touchdown, I'm going to be really problematic. Um, but you know, to me, it, it's going to rest on Bridgewater. I mean, that's just going to be it to me. I mean, it's going to be whether or not he makes any mistakes. I mean, um, if, if he has a, a solid game and, and let's face it, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater can still do it. I mean, he can go, go out there and he can throw for 300 yards. It's not going to be, you know, beating you with his athleticism or anything like that. They may have done when he was younger and before the injuries hit. Um, but Hey, if he's going to, you know, complete 75% of his passes, um, you know, take advantage of the, you know, the run game and use it effectively, mix things up and protect the football. That's how the Broncos are going to beat you. I mean, to me, it's not going to be with, you know, 75-yard bombs to anybody and getting the receivers involved. I mean, it's just going to be the it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater doing what he does best, which is at this point, it's just manage the game effectively. Man, I feel like he's got a little extra support with Javante Williams. I, I think he's a good runner, but if you if you see what they've done recently, including Ezekiel Elliott, like I feel the Chiefs can take him away. I feel like they can Weather the threat of Judy, and I don't think Sutton's near 100% at this point, so he doesn't scare me as much as he would in a normal season. So I'm confident there in exploiting the, the Denver defense. Like you said, clearly their strength, pass rush, isn't what it used to be, but Bradley Chubb did return last week. I thought he put in a decent effort. Um, the number one guy for me is to know where Justin Simmons is on the field at all times and, and adjust accordingly. I think that's what they have to do because I think they are going to see the two high looks. They're going to see... Um, the cloud sixes and the coverages that try to take away some of those deeper routes. Yeah. You know, I mean, to your point, I mean, on, on the offensive side first, you know, remember they've what beat the, the chargers last week, 28 to 13, I think it was. And, you know, and yeah, Javante Williams was a leading receiver with 57 yards outside. Melvin Gordon had 83 yards rushing. Didn't have anybody else with more than 57 yards. Yeah. So it really is. I mean, it's it's not any one player in particular that's going to get you. But I'm, I'm defensively, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertan, I mean, those are the two guys that you've got to worry about. And really, it'll be interested to see, you know, how Sertan gets used in this game, where he lines up. 
Um, remember, like I said, I mean, Dallas, that game that the Broncos won, they won it with coverage. They won it by smothering the Dallas receivers. They can do that. I mean, they've got the ability to do, they got the ability to smother Kelsey and Hill. Mm-hmm. Question is if they can. And if they do, other guys are going to have to step up because if, 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 if what the Broncos have done effectively is any indication, they're going to be double covering Tyreek and double covering Travis Kelsey and everybody else is going to be in single coverage. And the, the other guys are going to have to step and make plays. <laughs> All right. Then let, that brings me to this. You have to pick one guy that you think is either hitting his stride or it's far enough into the season that everything's coming together. Who is that third guy that steps up in the past game? The smart money for me right now would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I mean, this is a guy, I, I think this game is absolutely made for him to to finally have an impact, especially in the passing game. I mean, I think there's going to be opportunities for Mahomes to dump the football off. And I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of attention paid to, to guys downfield. And there's going to be room to run underneath. And I think there's going to be opportunities for, for, for Edwards-Alaire to get the football. The sleeper picks, to me, is Byron Pringle. I mean, that's the guy of late that has really needed to step up. And and if the other guys are going to get attention and you're counting on one of the receivers to be the guy that comes in and maybe surprises you with 70 yards of the touchdown, the only one at this point that's shown me he can do it is Byron Pringle. Fair enough. I think that's that's perfectly legitimate. I hope they sprinkle in a few other guys. I'd like to see just I, – I don't care who it is. Someone step up and grab it at this point. It would be a, a perfect opportunity rival. for Josh Gordon to do that. Right, right. I'd like yeah. to see no gray. This will be the time as well. You know, any any of the above. Somebody say I'm the number three option. <laughs> we'll get to that, and we'll be with Matt post game. I hope you guys are ready for this. It will be a late one following that contest. But Matt, thanks for giving us your insight today and getting us back up to speed on where this team's at. Pleasure as always, Ryan. Take care, my friend. Take care, buddy. Folks, have a great day. We will talk to you tomorrow with a little bit of uh, inside intel. And we'll be ready to preview this game on Friday. Have a great one. We'll talk to you then.